Welcome to Trained, a podcast exploring the cutting edge of holistic fitness. I'm Ryan Flaherty, Senior Director of Performance at Nike. For now, I'm still recording from my home, calling up the world's leading experts in mindset, movement, nutrition, recovery, and sleep to discuss all the ways you can train your body and mind. Today, I'll be talking with a doctor on a mission to revolutionize our approach to primary medical care. So in functional medicine, we take the best of conventional medicine. We do testing, we prescribe drugs. It's all conventional medicine. But we kind of take a new lens on it and we ask why. We ask why you're not sleeping at night. We ask what is driving that autoimmune disease or that joint pain or those breakouts or that digestive issue. And oftentimes we're able to either improve a chronic condition or resolve a symptom or just help somebody optimize their health. That was Dr. Robin Burzen, founder of Parsley Health, talking about the importance of medical care that looks beyond basic vitals and heals with more than just pills. When you walk into Robin's office or connect with her online, be prepared to talk about how you eat, how you move, and even how you think. It may sound strange, but to Robin, it's common sense. As she puts it, health happens during the 99% of your life when you're not at the doctor's office. Today, we'll talk about all the ways Robin engages with that 99% to help her patients improve their health, well-being, and athletic performance. We'll talk about how the pandemic has shifted our awareness of health, and we'll hit on Robin's plan to transform primary care, to let each of us become an active agent in our own wellness. Hey, Dr. Burson, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so good. So stoked to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm working from home still, so I'm recording from my office. Um, where, where are you recording from? I am in our medical clinic at Parsley Health here in Manhattan. So you guys are going to hear all the glorious, uh, crazy street noise of New York City behind me. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with your background and then how you got into medicine. When did you know that you wanted to become a doctor? Yeah, you know, it actually is funny because I was not pre-med in college. So when I was an undergrad, I was like one of those international relations, history, economics type of majors. And it was really after college that I started to get really interested in health and wellness. For me, it started actually with yoga. And for me, that was kind of this aha moment that exercise didn't just have to be something that was about being fit, but could actually change your brain and make you happier in life. And that led me to this interest in healthy food and healthy eating and meditation. And fast forward, I decided to uh, go into research um, and worked at NYU School of Medicine for a year. And that's where I discovered that, you know what, I actually like seeing patients. I like drawing blood and doing EKGs and kind of the physicality of medicine. Mm -hmm. And so that sent me off into this trajectory of wanting to do something in medicine, something in health, and going to get my MD. So I was one of those weird people who had to go back to school and do like biology and physics and organic chemistry and things after college, which was a total pain. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, But, you know, here I am on the other side and I think it was all worth it. You know, when a new patient walks into Parsley Health, what can they expect? Well, first of all, you're not walking in. You can walk in to New York and L.A., but generally you're walking in from the comfort of your couch or your office chair because we do a lot of online care. We're in 40 states now. Um, We deliver the same care, same doctors, same coaches, same medicine um, remotely that we do in person. The first step for Parsley begins before you see anybody. And that's really interesting for people. It's building your health biography and the story of your health. And we ask you questions before you come in that no doctor has ever asked you. We ask you if you were born C-section or not. We ask you if you were breastfed or not. We ask you what 
conditions and medications you had as a little kid because your health today is the amalgamation of everything that's happened to you in your life plus your genetics. Health is not built in the doctor's office. Health is happening in the 99% of your life that you're not in the doctor's office. And we, so we need to know all that. So everyone says, oh, I signed up for Parsley and I started you know, filling out my profile and I called my mom. And it's actually really cute because a lot of people are like, I don't know what, what happened to me when I was eight, you know? Yeah, yeah. Why did I have all those ear infections? Did I take a lot of antibiotics? So it's actually really cool. Uh, we also ask you questions like what you're eating, how you're moving, what your relationship with technology is. Are you happy? Do you have meaning and purpose in your life? And these are all equally as important questions as what medications are you taking and what diagnoses do you already carry? What actually happens when you see your doctor? When you see the doctor, whether it's in person or online, you spend an hour with them and you really go through um, all of the story of your life and we begin putting the pieces together because what we're doing at Parsley, which is a little bit different, is we're triangulating this ecosystem that is you. You are your body, you are your mental health, you are your environment, you are your microbes, uh, you are your relationships, uh, you are what you're taking in every day. And so we're beginning to build that picture beyond what you put in the form and also form a relationship with you. And then from there, your doctor's ordering tests. And so we're usually sending you off to your local lab uh, or our lab, as the case may be, to get some blood work done. We also have what I call fancy pants tests, and we might drop ship one of those to your home and you do it at home and send it back in when we're looking at hormones in the urine or microbes in the gut. We look at all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and that stuff is super personalized. And then throughout your, your time with us, you're working with a doctor, you're working with a health coach, and you have unlimited access to on, us online. So as stuff comes up, we might be working on your migraines or your metabolism or your autoimmunity or your fertility. But listen, stuff happens. We're all human. So if you get a cold or you think you have you know, coronavirus or you do or you know, anything happens, we're there for you. What led you throughout your medical career to taking a different approach to medicine and that holistic point of view? You know, when I went to medical school, I was already interested in prevention, public health, primary care, holistic medicine. And these were the things that had inspired me to go to medical school. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with all of that, to be honest with you. You know, I always joke that I went to Columbia for med school, which is an amazing medical school to go to. I loved it. I have lifelong friends from, from that period of time. But Columbia is kind of like one of those places where half the people are there to be a cardiac surgeon. So if you're interested in, you know, primary care and holistic medicine and public health, you're like by default the weirdo um, number, day <laughs> one. Uh, but I knew that I was really interested in that stuff. And along the way, I discovered uh, the field of functional medicine. Um, I actually started another healthcare company in the tech space. And so I sort of collected these experiences when probably the kicker for me was in my residency training, when I remember training in the outpatient clinic and seeing patients there. And, you know, you had these 15-minute visits and you spent two of those minutes printing out prescriptions, like pages and pages and pages of prescriptions. Because in those days, we actually, now they're all electronic, but we did them all on paper then. Wasn't that yeah. long ago, scarily enough. But, um, and I would just be signing prescription after prescription, all for things like you know, migraine headaches and joint pain and high blood pressure and high blood sugar and depression and hormone imbalances and autoimmune conditions, all of which at their root had a lot of diet and nutrition and lifestyle components. And it was clear from the data that 90% of our healthcare costs today, 90% of the $3.5 trillion that we spend on healthcare in this country every year 
is driven by these chronic lifestyle-driven and modifiable conditions. And it was kind of just like the final aha moment for me that there had to be a better way of doing medicine. Mm. And I knew that way of medicine existed, this idea of functional medicine or getting to the root of the problem. But all of those things really coalesced for me and maybe I could create, frankly, a new healthcare system, a new way of doing things to make a more holistic form of medicine that's still based in conventional medicine available to people. And you use the term functional medicine. Can you explain what that is for people who haven't heard it before? So functional medicine is really simple. It's just about getting to the root of the problem. You don't have high blood pressure because you have deficiency in a high blood pressure medication. There's a reason (laughs) that you have high blood pressure. It could be weight gain. It could be stress. It could be what you're eating, right? It could be um, living a sedentary lifestyle and not having strong lean muscle mass or exercise. There's a lot of factors there. And so in this, in functional medicine, we take the best of conventional medicine. I mean, we, we do testing. We prescribe drugs. Um, it's all conventional medicine. But we kind of take a new lens on it and we ask why. So we ask why you're not sleeping at night. We ask what is driving that autoimmune disease or that joint pain or those breakouts or that digestive issue. And oftentimes we're able to either improve a chronic condition or resolve a symptom um, or just help somebody optimize their health. And it was kind of crazy to me as I learned about this more functional or or holistic approach, whatever word you want to use, you can call it Mm. functional, you can call it holistic. It was like, why is all of our medicine not this way? We would save so much money. People would be happier and healthier. It just made sense. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's a great way to explain it too. I feel like we're in a moment right now where we're having awakenings to a lot of things and people are finally realizing like, no, you can actually ask why and question what's been in place for a long period of time in in a lot of different ways. How are you seeing COVID affect the healthcare industry? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting with, everything that's happened with coronavirus. I think, you know, the initial moment was just this sort of emergency feeling in the sphere and obviously not wanting to, to get it or, or wanting to recover from it and, um, and, and just absorbing all of that. And then in that process, we've had this national sort of realization of words like immunity and underlying condition, Mm. right? Like no one spends a lot of time going around thinking about like their immune system or their underlying condition, you know, rates. But the reality is 60%, six in 10 American adults today have one underlying chronic condition. And so I think it's just created this collective awareness of public health, of personal health. Um, And hopefully it's, it's engaging because while you can't necessarily stop a virus from showing up at our doors. What you can do is optimize your health and be in the best shape possible. I'm of the mindset that we need to be focusing on what we can do rather than what we can't do because that's going to help a lot of people. You know, ironically, it's a great time to focus on your health. Um, you can, you know, give over that commute time if you're, um, and I consider it a, a privilege to be able to work from home and not everybody can. Um, but I think that if you have extra time or if your schedule has changed in some way, this is a great time to do this and focus on your health. And focusing on your health does not have to be a privilege. Um, first of all, it's cleaning up the foods that you're putting in your mouth every day. The average American eats 60 pounds of refined sugar every single year. Um, we are inundated with a high sugar, ultra refined diet. And that is making us sick. It is causing, in and of itself, a lot of the underlying chronic conditions that put us at risk. They cause brain fog, digestive issues, inflammation in the joints, high blood sugar, all the things. You can simply change by 
cooking your food, eating whole foods, focusing on proteins, greens, and healthy fats in your diet. And, you know, I was not taught this in my very wonderful and very fancy medical education. And yet Mm -hmm. it's true. Food is medicine. And to say anything other than that is simply biologically and physiologically wrong. And then, you know, managing stress um, through movement, right? So you guys obviously are the experts in movement. But what I always like to remind my patients, uh, which was a big aha moment for me earlier in my career, like I said earlier, is that like exercise doesn't have to be about weight loss or looking good or all of the sort of inherent shame that then accompanies both of those ideas. It can actually be your number one stress reliever. The body was designed to move stress energy through it, through movement. Um, And when we harness that, we actually feel better, we sleep better, our digestion is better, our immune system functions better. And there's a lot you can do through apps and online these days, so go for it. Yeah, and I love you brought that up because, I mean, that's something I've been talking to a lot of athletes I work with about is looking at exercise as it being for your mental health, you know, and stress management as opposed to just always about your physiology. And I think that's an important shift that we need to make more often. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... I'm a different human being when I'm moving. And for me, that's yoga. And I've been doing all these. I used to hate all the online stuff, right? Like I was, I wanted to go to my yoga class. And this situation has forced me to uh, adapt, let's say, <laughs> like many of us. And now I love it. And I love the online classes that I'm doing, all different sorts of hit classes and yoga classes and, you know, whatever you can do. And I think, you know, that's that's often a message that we're not taught from a medical point of view, right? Which I think is really important. You got to fight the inertia, right? We are set up for sickness in our culture today. We are set up to eat refined and processed foods. We are set up to sit all day and look at screens. We are set up to be constantly pinged by our email and the media and to stress out. We are set up to frankly, be in a pretty toxic environment when you think about all the industrial chemicals that are in our foods and personal care products and that we're sort of sitting in this toxic soup. Um, And we're set up for sickness. And I think when you recognize that, it's not your fault. And yet it does behoove all of us to make a conscious choice towards change. And it's not about the pursuit of perfection. It's about simple conscious steps towards change because, but you have to fight that inertia whether it's how you move or what you eat. It's about how you feel today. And, you know, if you already have one of these conditions, if the fact that you can actually start feeling better tomorrow, the body has an incredible ability to heal. And we just don't give it credit for that. You know, when we, when, um, we largely uh, regulated smoking, um, we all remember that, right? I can't even think what year it was now, but that was a huge sea change in the United States as we started to regulate smoking and a lot of the we brought out a lot of the research that showed that if you stop smoking even if you've been smoking for 10 years or 20 years after a few years the lungs really heal a lot of that damage and that's mm-hmm. just one example but it's so powerful to remember our bodies know how to heal themselves if we take out that toxic input cigarettes are an obvious one but so many of the other things we've just talked about are there too and you can start that healing process and see changes really immediately Absolutely. And I think we always are looking for that magic pill that's going to solve everything. And it's just, it doesn't need to be that way. Yeah, it just can be lifestyle. Um, You've talked about nutrition, which I think is super important. I hear from a lot of people listening to the podcast, a lot of athletes I work with. There's so much noise out there when it comes to nutrition. How do you coach that with patients? Yeah. You know, when it comes to like eliminating foods um, and all of our nutrition guidance, we think about principles and then we think about hacks, right? 
principles are things that you live every day. Hacks are things that you are almost like your power boost, right? That you add in, right? So when we talk about the principles, that's where we have to start. And you really should not be having more than 25 grams of sugar total in a day. And the easiest way to get that down is by taking out things that come in a bag, um, a box, anything that you can pop open, right? And including those bars. If you look at the back of your average health bar, there's 20 grams of sugar in that thing. Yeah, minimum sometimes. Yeah. 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 And then you're game yeah. over. If you're having a drink, for instance, even healthy drinks, right, on the market, these waters and juices and kombuchas. I remember going into one of the, um, you know, sort of chain healthy, like to go lunch places in New York City and, uh, you know, looking at the green juice on the shelf and looking at the back 28 grams of sugar, two servings. I mean, this thing is a bomb. And so there's a lot of health washing, but it actually makes it really easy. If you eat whole foods, um, a lot of plants, a lot of healthy fats, if you cook your meals, if you prepare your meals, yeah, it takes a little bit of an extra time. It's definitely cheaper, but it will help you avoid the vast majority of the added sugar and also the added salts, um, which have in too much quantity negative health benefits. Salt in general is not bad, but it's when you're eating tons and tons of processed foods that are using salts for things like pres preservation or mouthfeel. The reason those green juices, by the way, on the shelf have so much sugar in them is that they have to achieve a certain level of acidity to stay shelf stable. And so they're using sugar to accomplish that. It's not even for taste. Mm -hmm. And so the principles are that you want to be less than 25 grams of sugar a day. And you can accomplish that, right, without reading labels, without thinking. If you eliminate liquid sugar, so the only things that we recommend drinking really are water. And then if you like your caffeine fix, like some green tea or some, you know, organic coffee, liquid sugar is like out. And then process and packaged foods. And then you've really eliminated so much of it when you're just eating whole foods. So those are our principles. And then when you want to give an example of like a hack, the morning time is when you have your highest cortisol of the day. Naturally, cortisol mm -hmm. should be high in the morning and come down over the course of the day. That's a normal human cortisol pattern. When cortisol is high, you tend to store more sugar as, as fat in the body. So the morning times when you don't want to be having those extra carbs, you don't have to fast, but that's my, maybe when you have your um, half an avocado drizzled in olive oil or sea salt or your scrambled eggs, right, rather than your smoothie that you might get away with that healthy smoothie, but you might have it after your workout in the afternoon when cortisol's low. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of ways of eating right now, I, I see kind of pull on three levers. It's either calorie restriction, dietary restriction, or time restriction. And you kind of play with all those three levers in some way. Can you talk a little bit about the difference? Because I think too often people look at diets just from, from, from a scale perspective of, oh, it's, it's just about losing weight. But the reason people are put on restrictive diets is for for, re for reasons that are more health-related, and it's not just about dropping pounds on a scale. Can you talk a little bit about that to help clarify that? Yeah, and I would disagree on the sort of calories in, calories out. You know, you can go into calorie deficit, you know, purely drinking Coca-Cola or something, right? But you're going right. to create a complete disaster when it comes to your metabolism, your mood, your energy balance, and your weight. Because when you inhale liquid sugar like that, 
you spike your insulin. Ultimately, um, you get metabolic syndrome, which leads to inflammation and ultimately diabetes, right? So um, right. 100 calories of broccoli are going to behave in your body very different than 100 calories of soda. Um, mm. and, and I don't mean to pick on Coca-Cola. I grew up in a Coca-Cola household. I don't know. Everybody has their thing, right? But, <laughs> same. Yeah. you know, who knows? Whatever. whatever. It's all the same. So, um, when we think about nutrition at Parsley, it's not that from the perspective of, of really weight loss or calorie deficit. It's about helping the body heal. And so sugar, one, is a recreational drug. So pulling out sugar and processed foods and refined and processed foods from people's diets is a huge lever for helping them feel better and helping reverse chronic illness. Then you get into food allergies and food sensitivities. A lot of people are eating foods that they are allergic to or sensitive to and don't realize it because these foods are just a normal part of the way our culture eats. Mm -hmm. uh, gluten and dairy are the two most common. Gluten, you can see digestive issues, but you can also see breakouts, rashes, acne, eczema, rosacea, psoriasis. You can see brain fog. You can see irritability, depression. You can see joint pain. You can see autoimmune conditions. So I'm not of the camp that vilifies foods. There's no bad foods. And some people might do fine with gluten. Um, which is the protein in wheat that a lot of people are sensitive to. But a lot more people are sensitive to it than realize it. And it's having a lot of what's called uh, extra gastrointestinal or not in the GI tract effects throughout the body. Same with dairy. When I hear somebody, oh, I've got these horrible seasonal allergies, or I can't kick these, kick these sinus infections, or I've got these really bad acne and breakouts um, you know, on my chin or my back, or oh, I've got this breakout, it's totally my hormones. Um, dairy is often the actual culprit. So those are the two of the most frequent ones we see. And the simplest thing you can do is an elimination diet. Eliminate the two for 30 days, along with reducing your sugar, and then reintroduce them one at a time. That's our simple elimination diet. And we ask everyone to do that because a lot of people find they feel much better. Now, you might reintroduce one of them successfully or, or both successfully, and then that's totally cool. You might find that both of them are a problem for you. But from there, what do you put in, right? And it just comes back to, do you recognize this thing? Like, did it grow out of the ground? Or has it been pulverized and refined and enriched and turned into a, a Cheeto or a Frito or a cheesy bit or a, you know, a cookie or a cracker or a pasta or a cake or a thing? And then that's when it starts to be more problematic. So it's eating healthy fish, it's eating healthy animal protein, lots of vegetables, nuts and seeds, root vegetables, um, even healthy grains, right? People, some people can do really well with rice and quinoa and other types of whole grains in their diet, lentils and legumes. So it's just, there's a whole world of food out there. And, it, and it's, my point is that none of, nothing I just said has anything to do with deprivation. I didn't use the words calorie reduction, calorie restriction, you do not need to deprive yourself. You can eat a lot of healthy foods and still lose weight and still feel really good. Totally. Yeah, and I think that's a super important point. When it comes to um, elimination diets, is 30 days the minimum number of days that you can actually see a difference that you'll, you'll notice that it gets out of your system in a long enough time to where when you reach, reintroduce it, you'll see the effect? Yeah, we find that's a really good number. And the reason is okay. your immune system, if you're having a sensitivity um, or allergy to a food, and those are different parts of your immune system. But let's just say if your immune system in general is reacting to a food, that, that wave of reaction can actually go on for about 21 days. And so it's that last week of that 30 that you're really beginning to see how is my body feeling without the presence of this food kind of kicking yeah. off a reaction. And so I'll hear this all the time. Let's say it's dairy. I eliminated dairy and I really didn't see a difference. 
But what they really mean is I brought it down to two or three days a week from every day. That's not an elimination. And so what happened was they're still triggering that same immune reaction over and over and over again, and they're not giving their body long enough to reset, right? And so just the same way as you wouldn't expect if you smoked a pack a day for 10 years for your lungs to heal in two weeks, you can't expect to have something that you've been eating every day for years and years to kind of clear out of your system in two weeks. So Mm -hmm. we really find, especially when we're looking to lower inflammation, reduce brain fog, kind of move the needle in a more sustainable way, that 30 days is a really good number. Um, and I always think of, ask people to think about baseline, right? Like when you are training with someone, you're probably thinking about here's your baseline and we want to set a new baseline of performance, right? Mm. A lot of people are living in this really unhealthy baseline. Their baseline is foggy and bloated and irritable and not sleeping well and their digestion's a mess and broken out and all the things. When you give yourself that 30-day period to reset All of a sudden, you know, viscerally, not intellectually, not because I read it in a blog post or I listened to Dr. Robin talk about it on a podcast, but I know physically, viscerally in my body the same way, you know, an athlete knows if they're riding their bike and they're going to feel they're having a good training day or a bad one. Like you feel it in your bones, right? You feel it in your muscles. Mm -hmm. When you've set that baseline viscerally on that muscle memory level, you know what good feels like. And then when you start deviating off of it, you're like, oh, you know, I was having too much alcohol this week, eating too much sugar. I can get back to this new healthy baseline. But for a lot of people, they're living in this baseline that's like way over here, super feeling like crap. And that feeling like crap is normal for them. And so when you do this 30-day reset, you begin to feel like what a new normal can feel like. And then you're much more perceptive of what it feels like when you deviate from it. After the break, Robin will tell us how she approaches nutrition and supplements with her patients, the three biggest things you can do to improve your baseline health, and a physician's perspective on meditation. Stick around. If you're enjoying this episode of Trained, here's some good news. You'll find more wellness expertise every day on the Nike Training Club app. A good place to start is our newest program, Advance with Joe Holder. Using minimal equipment or none at all, The Nike Master Trainer guides you through an eight-week fitness journey designed to take your strength and endurance to the next level. Joe's highly technical approach means you'll focus on form during every workout and get more out of every rep. And NTC offers more than workouts. You'll also find in-depth guidance on mindset, recovery, sleep, and nutrition, including dozens of recipes created with your performance in mind. To get started, just download NTC from your app store of choice. And if you already have it, you can start training as soon as the episode's over. You know, you mentioned earlier around supplementation. Can you just talk a little bit about your take on supplements? I just think people get too caught up in everything they read, thinking they need to be on that because they may be getting enough of that from their food. Yeah. So supplements is a wild, wild west, right? And it's a self-regulated industry largely, which is super scary, although there are certain supplements that uh, have data behind them and are made in safe facilities called a GMP certified facility. You'll sort of hear the medical community kind of talk out of both sides of its mouth on this one. It'll say, in one hand, supplements are bogus and they're useless and they're pointless. And then the other side, it'll say they're really dangerous. 
Um, and you're like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Are they these really powerful, dangerous things or are they just like sawdust, right? And right. the answer is both of those things are wrong. So just like a medication we might prescribe, a supplement can be a powerful tool, but it should be based on testing. It should be researched and it should be really personalized to you. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of things that you might benefit from taking, but it should be based on either your lab tests, like your actual data in that sense, or your clinical data. And when I say clinical data, I mean your story. You don't need to be deficient in magnesium on a blood test for you to benefit therapeutically from magnesium glycinate as a natural sleep aid, right? Mm -hmm. When I prescribe magnesium glycinate to a patient who's having trouble falling and staying asleep, I'm giving them a natural, safe, non-addictive alternative to a lot of sleep aids on the market that works really well for a lot of people. I'm not correcting a deficiency. I'm using magnesium glycinate as a therapeutic tool. Um, and so that's where, you know, it really should just be personalized to you, ideally. Yeah, and you're leading me to the next part I wanted to talk about, which is blood work. And can you talk a bit about how you guys use blood work, how people that are listening, where they can find uh, out how they can get their blood you know, work done and then how that can inform some lifestyle changes they need to make. Yeah, definitely. You know, what you what you don't measure, you don't manage, right? You know, the couple of tests that we recommend everyone get, and we test proactively at Parsley Health, typically doctors test reactively. And so getting some more proactive testing to know, are you on your way to a blood sugar problem? Are you inflamed and you don't know it? Is your cholesterol composition... Uh, you might not have high cholesterol yet, but the composition of your cholesterol is such that it's actually really bad for your arteries and could cause heart disease. These types of things are so simple. So we have a blog post on kind of the kinds of tests that you should get and ask for from your doctor. But we always do nutrient levels. We look at heavy metals like mercury and lead in the body standardly. Um, we look at autoimmune markers because autoimmune, certain basic autoimmune or immune markers can indicate like where there's smoke, there's fire, and then it'll trigger mm. us to look more deeply or to show that maybe you're doing something that's triggering kind of a low-grade fire and we want to bring it down. Mm. So there's a difference between abnormal and optimal. And so at Parsley, we look at both, are your lab results abnormal? And then we also ask, it's an and, not an or, are they optimal? right? And those two things can be different. And so it's important to look at, at testing in that lens. And I could go on, there's a zillion tests yeah. we do, but um, you know, some of it's super simple and you just do it before you take any major initiative and then see where you land on the other side. I want to shift a bit and talk to you about your recommendation of exercise. I think a lot of times people think they need to like go in for an hour every day and just kill themselves in the gym. Can you talk a little bit about that, the nuances between, you know, training for competition and then just training for longevity and the actual baseline that you recommend everybody every day gets in terms of exercise that may be less than what I think people think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you and I are like working with different populations. So we have a lot of desk jockeys, myself included here at Parsley Health. Um, across the country. But when it comes to movement, uh, you have to move every day, but it doesn't have to be for a long time, right? So we're big fans of really basic things like the seven-minute workout and some of these short hit workouts that just get you moving that you can do at home or do in your office that you're um, not needing to go to the gym for or not needing to spend hours doing. We're also a big fan of um, resistance training. And I always try to get um, our members to do stuff that involves resistance training that they can have at home or have for travel. So those resistance bands, brands, or, the bands, yeah. um, the medicine balls. Um, but a lot of people are not doing anything f that is beyond their own body weight. Uh, and for bone health and for lean muscle mass, which also then impacts 
blood sugar and brain health and concentration, all of these things, you got to be doing some sort of resistance training. And our women members in particular have often sort of been taught over time. I think it's better now, but historically, I know growing up, it was like, oh, you don't want to lift weights because you'll be big, right? Or you don't want to bulk up yeah, or something. Yeah. Just absolutely ridiculous. And so um, sort of getting people into that is really important. The other thing we see is that, to your point, a lot of people either think they need to do what I call long-haul cardio, like an hour of cardio to be fit, which is not true, or they're doing that and they're doing it in a way, whether it's spinning or cycling or running or some or treadmill, whatever, in a way that's actually depleting their health. So they're sort of overly stressing themselves out. They're disrupting their hormones. And so sometimes we have to kind of reset people. Hey, you actually need to do less cardio and you need to do more uh, things like yoga that open up the connective tissue and things like weight training then you need to do more cardio. And that's like a big moment for people because a lot of people think, oh, I'm if I don't do all this cardio, I'll gain weight or I won't be fit. Right. Uh, and it's wrong. And they're really surprised to find that they can do other forms of exercise that they really enjoy and not and still, you know, fit into their genes, but also they feel better and then they're more inclined to do it. Because I know if I'm facing down like an hour on a treadmill, I'm just gonna be like, ugh. So one of the things I read about Parsley that I love is that you talk about a lot about mental health. Yeah. And I think that's something, you know, that's always timely and we really can't talk enough about. Is there is there one thing that you'd recommend people do they could start today or that is, you know, low cost, but they'll see a big benefit from? Yeah. Mind and body and spirit are not separate. And yet in medicine, mm -hmm. we've arbitrarily put them in two different departments and that doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. And so it with us, it's the same department because we can't look at one without the other. We hear a lot about like the mind-body connection, but that implies it goes one way. I'm stressed and then my body gets sick. But what we see a lot of as well as that, we see that, but we also see my body is, is sick and that's impacting my anxiety, my sleep, right? My depression, uh, sugar uh, is inflammatory and low-grade brain inflammation will lead to depression. Mm. That's just one of many examples but the cool thing is there's so much you can do about it. And number one, biggest bang for your buck, totally free, is meditation. We learn as children to brush our teeth and tie our shoes. We do not learn systematically in our culture how to self-soothe. And what I mean by that, we don't learn how to manage stress in a healthy way. We learn to eat to manage our feelings. We learn to watch a lot of TV or watch media we learn to sometimes abuse substances like alcohol, right? Some people are workaholics. It's all escapism. It's yeah. all escaping your emotions. And what meditation teaches you to do is to be with your feelings. And sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is to sit and be present and breathe. And that is free. And anyone who makes mm. you pay them a lot of money to teach you a mantra or teach you some sort of meditation practice, run the other way. <laughs> um, it's just inhaling for a count of four and exhaling for a count of six. When you make your exhale a little bit longer than your inhale, and you do that for just a couple of minutes, you actually trigger through the vagus nerves your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest, digest, relax, and heal side of your nervous system. So this is biology and phys physiology. This is not woo-woo. This is not pie in the sky. This is real chemistry. And you can do yeah. it on your own, and you have incredible power to influence how you feel mentally. And then, as you said before, the other thing is exercise. Exercise goes head-to-head -head with some of the antidepressants on the market. And I don't say that lightly, right? Like, I don't say that to 
you know, med sh- medication shame anyone or to make it seem bad to take a medication. Medications are great. They're one tool yeah. in, our, in our toolkit. Anyone who's on a, a medication for um, whether it's attention deficit or it's insomnia or it's depression or anxiety, I have not met one person who's on a medication who's benefiting from that medication who doesn't feel even better for adding in exercise and meditation, right? So yeah. it's like, let's not accept that the drug is going to do everything we need it to do. It will it'll powerfully, importantly do some of it, but it's often not enough. And that's where adding in some of these other things comes in. Totally agree. What are three things, big big ones that you would say, if you could just do these three things, this, this over the long run would ha- will have a great impact on your health. What would they be? Number one, this is, this is a taking away of spend. Cut the processed sugar, processed foods out of your diet as much as possible. Make at least two of your meals a day. Find a couple healthy recipes that you can do. You will spend less money. You will feel better. And you will um, just massively transform your health. And it's about what you're not buying versus what you're buying, okay? Um, it does presume you have have a kitchen and, and having access to that. I recognize that not even everybody has. But... Um, for, for most who do, that is so important. Uh, the second one is learn a constructive method of managing your emotions. So meditation, five minutes, 10 minutes a day of that breathing practice we talked about. Again, most of us have learned, frankly, destructive ways of coping. And if you don't have a constructive way of coping, then you're going to default to destructive ways of coping. So learn that breathing practice and do it every single day. And then you do not need a gym. It does not need to be fancy. There is so much free yoga, you know, high-intensity interval training that you can do in your house with a chair. I mean, I don't have a fancy gym or anything. Like, I'm not a gym person. Well, getting outside is so good for your mental health, too. So it's like the combination of outside and exercise is great. Yeah. Go for a walk if you have a safe place to go for a walk. And if you don't have a safe place to go for a walk, find something that where you can jump around into a dance party in your mm-hmm. house. Build these things into your life. These are the principles. If you get these principles, these foundations in you're going to feel so much better and you're going to feel so much more in control of how you feel. And that's even more empowering. Robin, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. What you guys are doing is incredible. Oh my gosh. Such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Robin and I covered a lot of ground. That's kind of the point. Doctors like her are beginning to show that a checkup can be much more than a check-in. Expanding a physician's scope to include all five facets of fitness And for trained newcomers, we're talking about nutrition, mindset, recovery, movement, and sleep. That sets them up to act as a partner to help us prevent health problems before they even start. And I love that Robin usually starts with the gut and goes from there. The nutritional methods she uses are a commitment, but the payoffs can be huge. It's the no shortcuts, no BS way to hone in on what works for you and what doesn't. And speaking as a trainer, I've seen athletes absolutely transform their performance by getting their nutrition dialed in. And on the other side... There's no way to out-train a bad diet. On the next episode, we'll keep the food theme going with Precision Nutrition founder, John Berardi. I'll find out how he coaches athletes, how he assesses fad diets, and what he feeds his own family. This has been Trained. Talk to you soon. If you've enjoyed this episode of Trained, help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the podcast. That way we can keep making great episodes for you to listen to. And it helps other people find us too. If you've got a question for me or my guests or a topic you'd like to see covered, email me at trained at nike.com and I'll see what I can do. Thanks for listening to Trained. 
Just a reminder, always talk with your doctor before starting any training or nutrition program. The information we provide, it's not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And the individual opinions expressed here are just that, opinions. They shouldn't be taken as fact.